Hey team, welcome to episode 95 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. Today, we're diving into the life of a female practice owner, and I am so excited. We see a lot of hesitancy among women about becoming a practice owner. It can feel intimidating to navigate the highs and lows of ownership while raising a family and achieving other life goals. However, I hope that today's episode and others like this can inspire all aspiring owners, including women, and show them it's possible. So for today's episode, I'd like to welcome Dr. Christy Marcello to Transition Talk. She is the only female specialist dual trained in pediatric and orthodontics in the state of Louisiana. She recently bought her father's practice, is married to her husband, Dr. William Chambers, and has two young kiddos, Liam and Eliza. Thank you so much, Christy, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and getting to talk with you guys. Uh, me too. We have had much the technical issues this morning, so I'm apologizing to you for that here live. And I also want to make sure we're all very clear that this is the first time I have ever interviewed someone named Christy, and also the first time it's Christy spelled 100% the right way, which is C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, correct? Y, very mm-hmm. important with the Y. If you've been to Starbucks, you've seen Christy or K-R and an I and a Christine can you know, whatever. So it's fine. We'll both agree this is the right way. So you have a unique story. Recent practice owner. How long have you been an owner? I've been an owner since July of 22. July of 22. Okay. So just over a year. So I'm very excited to talk to you about that and perspective. You are young mom, married, friend, sister, all the things I'm sure. And so that is interesting. But then you also purchased your father's practice. So also family transition. Correct. So tell me your story. I want to hear story from like a dentistry perspective. I always joke that you guys do everything at one time, like kids married by practice. So I'm sure that comes into play. So tell me your story and tell our listeners kind of how you got where you are today. Okay. So I literally grew up in this dental practice. When my dad finished his residencies, he's also a pediatric dentist and orthodontist. He and my mom moved to Thibodeau and bought a building, which they renovated, and half was our house and half was the office. So I literally was brought home from the hospital to a dental office and lived here until I was seven years old. We have grandparents of second generation patients who are like, hey, I remember you riding your tricycle around here when you were little. So cool. Yes. So when I say I was raised in a dental office, I actually was. I've worked here for as long as I can remember during the summers in high school and college and some of dental school. And so this practice has always been a part of my life. I didn't know it was going to become my life when I started in college a very long time ago, but I always thought I was going to be a pediatric psychiatrist. I was going to be a physician and I was going to go to med school. And then in my third year of Auburn, I had to actually write on paper what I was going to do. And I called my dad and said, hey, dad, I think I want to go to dental school. And his first response to me was absolutely not. Nope. You want to go to med school? You're not going to dental school. And I was a little taken aback. Like, why are you saying this? I thought you'd be excited. And he said, no. I'm not going to pressure you. If this is something you want to do, it has to be your decision. Give it a little while and we'll talk about this again. So I waited a few days and I've always been a firm believer of gut feelings and butterflies being a message from your guardian angel. And so still more butterflies. I called my dad and said, dad, no, I'm going to go to dental school. And he said, that's great. I support you. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. 
fast forward, I get into dental school. And the first thing he tells me is great, congratulations. But now I don't want to hear that you want to be a pediatric dentist or orthodontist <laughs> until you've been exposed to everything. Because he was right. Yes, I did some shadowing in college, but I'd only known pedo and ortho. So I had to get exposed to general dentistry, the other specialties, and actually learning the didactics of pediatric dentistry and orthodontics in dental school. I'd come home and say, so wait, dad, I'm confused. Is this a pedo thing that you do? Or is this an ortho thing that you do? And it all just kind of melded together and was really interesting to learn. Then by my third year, after I'd seen it all, I thought I was going to be a pediatric psychiatrist. I love kids. It's something that I wanted to do. So I said, okay, dad, well, I'm going down your same path. And he said, great. So I applied to pedo and I did my pediatric dentistry residency at LSU. And then halfway through pedo, I said, okay, dad, you ready? I'm going <laughs> to apply for ortho. And he said, again, I support you, but do I ever get to retire? <laughs> so fast forward, I went to UAB for my orthodontic residency. And you're right. Everyone in dentistry seems to do everything. Bam, bam, bam. William was a year ahead of me in dental school. And we were really good friends in the beginning. And then in my third year, we started dating and then got married after my first year of my pediatric residency. We both moved to Birmingham and absolutely loved it there. And I was very fortunate to have some great mentors and faculty members up there who really encouraged us to come home and see what Thibodeau held for us. Mm -hmm. And so I graduated in January of 2020. And I should go back and say, I had Liam, my four-year-old, in September of 2019. I graduated in January of 2020 and then started working February of 2020, March 2020 came. Yep, exactly, exactly. So my first year was definitely a little rocky wasn't your normal first year of private practice. No, it doesn't sound like it at all. So you started practicing in 2020 and then purchased in July of 22. So kind of that year and a half, 18 months of kind of being in practice and experiencing all of that with your dad. How long did he work with you and does he still work with you? So my dad was really hands-on in here with me for all of 2020. I think also the shutdown kind of helped us to kind of slow down and take a step back mm -hmm. and provide us with the opportunity to really work closely together. And he was such a wealth of knowledge. And I'm really grateful for that time because I did learn so much from him in both pediatric dentistry and orthodontics. So he stuck around all of 2020. And then in January of 21, he was like, okay, gonna nudge you a little bit. I'm gonna take a step back. If you need me, I'm here. Call me, whatever you need. I'm happy to help you. But kind of pushing the bird out of the nest a little bit to yeah. get me on my feet. Absolutely. And then Yes. And then in July of 22 is when I purchased and he doesn't come around too much anymore. He does help with a little bit, but he did cover my maternity leave for Eliza last year and Lucky. helps with that. So, yes. Such a great resource. And he probably like enjoys being able to kind of step in when he's needed, but enjoy retirement and see his practice kind of thriving under you. I think so. And I also think it worked really well with the transition with us both being here and my practicing under my maiden name because, oh, it's Dr. Steve's daughter. And so parents, I think, felt a little bit more comfortable with that transition. Yeah, I can 100% see that. So you own husband, his partner in a larger firm. Is his practice close by? Is it further away? Kind of where is he in relation to you from a physical geographical standpoint? He's about an hour away in a town called Gonzales, Louisiana. Okay. And so was that a strategic decision? Was it a decision where it just, he had an opportunity and you guys just made that kind of decision? You know, clearly you being a specialist and him being GP, was that like a consideration as far as how, where you mapped yourself out at? 
So actually it was kind of a, I need to find a job. We're moving back. Let me find something because we were five hours away in Birmingham knowing we were moving home. So let me just have a job established or something lined up. And then once we get there, get life more figured out, figure out what I'm going to do. Well, he ended up loving his job. He loves the people he works with. Yes, really. And he had had some rocky jobs when we were in Louisiana prior to moving to Birmingham. And then even in Birmingham, he didn't necessarily love his jobs. So when we got back here and he just really enjoyed being a dentist again, we couldn't pass up that opportunity for him to stay there. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's so great. And I do love that you were like, if you listen to Charles, you probably were like, okay, well, we can't have an associateship somewhere where we might want to own one day. So let's go further out. So I'm glad he loves that. So you're both practicing, both owners, two young kids. I know how chaotic it is in my family <laughs> with me and my husband. How do you do it? Like, how do you guys manage the day to day with both of you having demanding people relying on you and patients relying on you and two young kids and a family? So I think I'm very fortunate and William is very much a hands-on dad. He likes to be involved. So that's a blessing for sure. And we try to spend as much time together with our kids because we do know that our jobs pull us away. So the time that we do have, we really try to make the most of it. And we kind of silently share responsibilities, if that makes sense. Like, I see you doing that, so I'm going to do that kind of thing. In the evenings, we divvy it up. So he plays with the kids. I cook dinner. We pretty much always have a family meal together. And then while I do bath time, he cleans the kitchen. And then we share bedtime just so that our kids always have one of us with them, especially around bedtime. So with my being the one in town, I am typically the one who has like doctor's appointments and things like that. And pretty much we can plan as we need to when his days off or my days off for certain things. And my parents are also super, super helpful with our kids. And we're very fortunate to have an amazing little babysitter nanny who takes great care of our kids. And so during the day when Liam's not at school, our babysitter has Eliza. And then when he's at home, she has him as well. Oh, I love that. I mean, it takes a village has taken a different meeting in current day, but it truly does 100%. take a village. Yeah. I mean, like yes. how we get all the things done, whoever knows. I think that's great. So you have a pediatric and orthodontic practice. And as a mom, I'm like, well, when's your latest appointment? You know, like with my daughter just got her braces off and like, you know, pediatric and well visits. How do you structure your days? And have you thought about, you know, as your kids get older and are school age and you're kind of having to manage that as well? How do you envision managing that piece of it, right? With like being able to serve patients and parents, but then being a parent yourself and being wanting to have like summer breaks and spring break and those types of things. So like I've said, I've been in this practice forever and I've noticed a really big change. So growing up, we never took summer family vacations because that was dad's super busy time. He worked till six o'clock in the evening because that's when parents wanted to come in. While holidays still are busy and summer is busy, we also see that a lot of our patients are involved in after-school activities and parents would rather take them out during the day than miss soccer or football practice. So they'd rather get a doctor's note and say, okay, well, this is excused. Let me go in and see the dentist now rather than having to say, oh, coach, sorry, I had to go see my orthodontist. So typically we work around 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. every day. And then our holidays, again, are super busy, but I've also noticed where certain times aren't quite as busy as others. So some holidays are crazy and we can't put another patient in the door. And then other holidays, I've started to take note, aren't quite as chaotic. And so those are the ones that I try to spend more time with my kids where my not providing a service to a patient 
isn't really an issue, but I also get to be with my kids. Yeah, hundred percent. That makes a lot of sense. And I think the flexibility and ownership that allows you to kind of structure your days and structure your schedule how you want, or I need to take off because I've got open house or whatever it might be. And you can kind of book that out or have dad or just say, Hey, this is my priority at this point. So I love that. I'm sure you thought about ownership, given this was kind of always going to be your path. How has your perspective on ownership changed today versus what it was prior to your purchase and kind of entering private practice? So I might even take that a step further back if you're okay with that, like dental school. So from the moment I got into dental school, I always felt like I had an obligation to make the most of the education that I was receiving by taking that spot in a dental school class. And I still feel that way. But As a practice owner, I'm fortunate that no one else is dictating my schedule. I don't take call. And like you said, I can schedule far enough out and plan ahead that I can plan things with my children. So if three years ago, even when we moved back to Thibodeau, you said, are you going to take a day off to go on a field trip? I probably would have very quickly said, no, absolutely not. I am a dentist and I have to do this. And I'm actually going on a four-year-old pumpkin patch field trip next week because I also see, while it is important to provide excellent care to my patients, it's also really important to be a mom to my kids too. I love that. And I think the same thing. I think that your perspective shifts over like, and also like if I'm gone for two hours, I can probably make that up another day or we can figure out another time to get you in, right? It's that kind of balance that's not balanced, right? Like I've always got to figure out how to fit it all in, but it, and it may be heavier personal one day and heavier practice the next. So I, I, I love that. So to shift gears a little bit and talk about you had a transition with your dad. So I don't want to laze over that. How was that transition you know, we talk a lot. I think we have an episode about family transitions here on Transition Talk. And I know that we always say, hey, you got to tread lightly on those. And your personal relationship clearly should always trump the business transaction. But this is very much a family practice that you have taken on. How was that transition with your dad? And was it what you expected? Was there anything surprising about it? Kind of tell me a little bit about that. So exactly what you said, you know, even though this is a family business, You don't want the nitty gritty of the business to mess up family relationships and things like that. So my dad's very giving. And I think from the beginning, he always thought that he would just give me this practice. And obviously that's not a legal thing to do. And I have a little sister. We have to keep that in mind, what's fair to her. And I've known Charles Loretto probably 20 years just from different meetings I've been to through the years. And so he helped us a decent amount. And then we also had a local accountant and a family friend who's a lawyer who had also purchased her dad's law practice, who was able to kind of help us navigate this in the most fair way. So I did purchase the practice. It is something that I wanted. It was more of a personal, I guess, not accomplishment, but something that was really important to me. So we set up something that is very fair to my little sister so that she can't ever feel like she didn't get what was due to her. My parents did more for me. There was a lot of sweat equity involved and especially working during COVID and all of that stuff. But overall was pretty smooth. And we have something that we feel like was very fair to both of us and we're able to get through that pretty well. 
Well, it sounds like you guys have like great communication, which is clearly the number one rule of any transition process, especially with a parent and child Absolutely. <laughs> is, is involved. So I'm going to ask a question and I think that there's a female perspective and then there's just a general perspective. I think what is the biggest kind of struggle or challenge, I guess you have experienced in ownership and maybe take that from kind of two directives, right? Like just generally like something that you've struggled with and maybe something that is, if there is, and if there's not, that's okay too. Maybe the more female perspective of that. So I just want to make sure I got this question right. So my biggest struggle, like being a mom in a career and biggest yeah, struggle being... Actually, that's a better question. So let's try that one first. Okay. And then was the second part also about being a female practice owner? Yeah. So it's almost like two parts. So like, let's start with what is the biggest struggle that you have from being a mom, being a practice owner, being a wife, kind of the balancing of those. And then part two, just kind of being a practice owner and a female. Okay. So this will probably be a little bit of a longer answer. My biggest struggle with career and being a mom is mom guilt 100%. You know, in my life, it was be the best, be the best, be the best. Do really well in college to get into dental school. Do really well in dental school to get into residency. Do really well in your first residency to get into the second one. And then there's a drive there to do really well on boards. And so when that's your mentality for 27-ish years, why would I approach being a wife, a mom, a practice owner any differently? But you know what? It's just not possible. And it's also a really harsh reality to accept. But I've also had to learn to just really give myself some grace. So I try really hard to be the best mom that I can and show my kids that they truly are the greatest blessings I've ever received. I obsess over making sure they eat healthy meals and I'm super crunchy. So I know all the ingredients they've ever had. Well, maybe not Liam at this point, but Eliza isn't one yet. So I probably still know everything that's ever been in her body. I do all my best to do the mom things, like making sure they always have holiday themed shirts and cute gift tags for school and birthdays. I try to make such a big deal. But I also struggle with comparing myself to other moms mm -hmm. and then letting myself feel like I'm just not enough. So I know I fall short and having a mom as a business owner isn't easy for my kids. You know, like Liam will ask me on a Saturday, is this a mommy daddy day or is this a school day? And while that's one of the sweetest things, it also kind of breaks my heart a little bit. But I grew up with working parents and I saw how hard they worked. And I think watching them to do that to provide for my sister and me helped to instill the work ethic that she and I have today. And I want that for my kids. I want them to enjoy our family days together, but also know that when I'm not with them, I'm working really hard to give them a good life and hopefully trying to get them to have the same values that my working parents put into me. And my advice would be to accept that you're not going to be perfect at everything. I think you said it earlier. Some days your kids are going to get a hundred percent. Some days your job's going to get a little bit more, but a while back, I read a quote from a female CEO, of, I can't remember some major company, and she talked about how she missed all of her kids' soccer games and basketball games and things like that while they were growing up. And I'm sure that worked for her. She's done a lot. And a few years ago, I probably would have said, yep, yeah, that'll be me too. That's what my life will look like. But here I am now sitting at four-year-old soccer games where he'd rather eat snacks and wave at his friends and even have any idea what's going on <laughs> in the game. But I enjoy that and I want to be there for him. So I think you just have to decide what you want for your family. Do the best you can, but also don't try to be the best 
at everything. I could not agree more. We call them home days and school days at home. So not mom, dad days, but home days. And they kind of came up with that themselves. And I love it because I'm like, oh, we have home days coming up. Exactly. I was raised by a working mom too. It's funny when you asked my daughter's now eight, but when she was probably like four or five, be like, what does mom do? Which my job is like not very easy to explain, by the way. Right. Um, they just think I work with dentists, but emailing was what she said I did. I email. <laughs> that is my job. And I will agree with her on most days. My job feels like just email. But yeah, and I think I agree with you that at the end of the day, you have to kind of prioritize. And if you miss a Valentine's Day party, I learned over time too, when my kids were little, I tried to make it to every party and I kind of figured out that like some things they didn't actually seem to care or remember that I was there or it was more about their friends than it was me being there. And so then I was like, okay, I don't have to go to that party. You know what I mean? Like that is not the best bang for the buck, but this is. And so, you know, I think as they grow, you figure out what matters, what doesn't, what matters to you personally, what matters to them. My kids probably could care less about the <laughs> meal that I put on the table now, but I do. It's, it matters to right. me. And, and I hope one day they appreciate that. And so that's what we're going with. I'm sure you're being able to see now what's important to them. I mean, mine are still little, but as they get older, being able to see what truly is important will also take a whole lot off your plate, right? Like, Oh, yeah. So much. Like my 13-year-old, she just turned 13. It's so oh. crazy. But I've realized that like picking her up from school is actually the least effective time with her. Like she's kind of grumpy. I have to miss more work. And so I'm just like, that's dad's job now. Dad gets along with her when he picks her up from school. Her and I tend to fight when I pick her up from school. So I'm like, you know what? That's fine. I would much rather take like your nighttime when you're like calm down and we're fine. But for a long time, I just felt so guilty because I was like, oh, like other moms can pick their kids up from school and I can't. I'm going to try. And then I realized like, actually, that's not a really good use of our time together. So I'm going to table that one. So yeah, 100%. And I think it will evolve over time. And I think that's what's so great about owning something like you do is that you can handle those evolutions, right? Like as they shift and change and need you more at this time or that time, you can make that choice of how you deal with that. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay. Next one is outside of family matters, right? So let's shift mm -hmm. away from family as a practice owner and a woman. Is there something that you feel like is challenging or that you've had to kind of figure out how to deal with being a practice owner or being a professional in general as a woman in the world? So I'm very much pro women and, you know, like you're a working mom, I'm a working mom, but I hate to say it, but gender bias is definitely real. I don't know if it's just how the world has changed in the past few years and people just aren't as nice as they used to be. But there are so many times when parents especially say things to me and I would look at them and say, would you have said that same thing to my dad? Because I don't think if I was an older gentleman or even a man in general, because I know what William goes through at work and no one really says some of the things to him that they say to me. And so that's definitely something. And also, you know, for 35 years, my dad was Dr. Steve and I've just accepted that I'll always just be Miss Christie. So even though we have the same diplomas on the wall and the same education, my dad's Dr. Steve and I'm Miss Christie. And, you know, I've even had a couple of parents question me and say, well, how would your dad have done this? I, I know it. Or like, well, your dad did this with my other child. Do you think that you could do it the same way? And, you know, I tell everybody and Dennis note that there's always more than one way to skin a cat from orthodontics to pediatric dentistry to anything really, you anything. know, what works well in one person's hands isn't going to work well in somebody else's. So definitely the gender bias. And then also probably imposter syndrome is something else I struggle with, especially 
if I've had a rough day, you know, I catch myself saying, do other people have these problems? Like, am I doing this the wrong way? What do I need to do better? And so those are definitely some areas that I struggle with. You need to keep some like brackets and stuff from, I don't know, 1920s and 30s and 50s and just be like, well, we can keep things the way they used to be, or we can know that things evolve and I'm putting together a personalized plan. Like, which would you prefer? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a great idea. Um, I need to do that. I've been lucky enough to interview women who are dentists, women who are not dentists in the professional capacity. And I think we all have that little bit of lack of confidence and a little bit mm -hmm. of an imposter syndrome and a little bit of kind of comparing ourselves. But I think that you clearly are an incredible communicator and and I would be Thank you. just honored if you were my child's dentist. But I also think having Dr. Steve as your mentor is an incredible blessing. But then you're also probably comparing yourself to that. Like, I can't imagine if my mom did my job, I'd probably be like, am I, you know, so there's probably an interesting element there for you. And parents are in general, we're all kind of awful sometimes. So I could not do your job or deal with parents every day. So you are <laughs> incredible. <laughs> well, thanks. You know, the kids are the fun part because they're yeah. innocent and they're the fun part for sure. Yeah, and look, 100. I get it. I'm super protective of my kids, but at the same time, I would never say some of these things to my no. children's Anybody taking care of my children. To keep laminated copies of all those diplomas you got and uh, certifications in your pocket and pull them out if they want to check them. Good uh, idea. <laughs> so what's your advice if there's a dental student or a resident listening right now and they are kind of looking ahead on the road and seeing wanting marriage, wanting kids, wanting ownership, you know, and, and it kind of all feels overwhelming and unachievable. And maybe they don't even know where they want to go or what that looks like, but they know that's what they're expected to do. What's your advice to that female who's considering ownership right now? So really dentistry is the easy part. You're going to take work home with you. If you want to own a successful practice, it has to become, or it just does become part of who you are. And so my advice would be decide what you want for yourself, but also know that you can achieve that. It might look a little different than what you pictured it to be when you finally get there. And when you first out on this journey, but really it's a gift. If it's what you want to do, you can do it. Just find the best way that works for you and know that even if it isn't exactly how you imagined it would be, that's okay. I love that. And dentistry or not, I could use that little pep talk some days myself. So <laughs> Joellen's nodding. Yes, she, she can too. Well, Christy with a Y, thank you so much for being a guest on Transition Talk today. Your story, your insight, just your life is so valuable to other female dentists. So glad we're here to share it with our listeners today. Team, that's all we've got. Thank you for joining us on episode 95 of Transition Talk. And if you're looking for more on female practice owners, Ownership, be sure to check out episode 90 with CWA Financial Planner with Angie Sweetak. And we've got a few more that we'll be recording with other owners like Christy down the road. So as always, make sure you share the transition love with those who may not know of us yet. And of course, subscribe to Transition Talk whenever you listen to your podcast. Christy, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, friends.